for the first time this year, right? Uh, Happy New Year. It's hard to believe that it's 2020 already, but here it is and away we go, right? Um, I would like uh, to thank Roberto for speaking last week. Uh, he, uh, he shared with us, and if you missed it, you can either listen to it on our website or you can go to the PCC app and you can listen to that as well. He talked about who we are here at PCC. He encouraged us to focus on who we are and not who we're not, if that makes sense. And uh, he, he shared that who we are is a community to be thankful for, a community motivated by God's Word, and a place to call home. And I found that really interesting, especially since um, Roberto and his family are relocating to Kansas uh, in February, that this place is home for him, at least it is for now. And it's, it's one of those things that we have learned is that uh, this is a place people call home while they're here, and, and we want it to be that for you. Uh, it's an opportunity for us to engage together, to worship together, to grow together. It's just an opportunity to, to serve the, the Lord together. Uh, Roberto's words were an encouragement to me, and I trust that they will be to you, and they are to you as well. It's encouraging to be reminded that as a church, our mission is to help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. In everything we do, in our programming, in our ministries, in our efforts, our vision is to take the life of Jesus as our pattern for living, to receive Uh, the gospel message of Jesus as the model for this community. And as such, there are three things that we strive to do. We we strive to prioritize being together. That's our community. And that includes being here on a Sunday morning, during the week in small groups, getting coffee together, sharing lunch, uh, going to the movies, celebrating and doing life together. We desire to hear and respond to the word of God with an emphasis in prayer. And that's our growth. And our Sunday morning discipleship classes, which we talked about earlier, uh, the Sunday messages, also in small groups and scripture reflection groups, in the various ministries and days of prayer here at the church, like the one coming up on January 18th, uh, Bible studies, all these various things we're seeking to hear and respond to the Word of God as we seek the Lord in prayer. We also strive to be a tangible presence of grace in our communities and in our world. Um, here locally, uh, we have multiple AA and ACA groups that meet here at the church during the week. Uh, we support local organizations like, like Young Life, InterVarsity, uh, Mercer Street Friends, and then internationally, we support uh, ministries in Haiti and Honduras. And now, uh, in 2020, we're beginning uh, our efforts in China through what Daniel Mason is going to be doing there when he goes later on this year. And so, uh, because... Uh, of all that we say and all that we do, uh, our, our goal, our main focus is on Jesus. And because of that, I'm excited about 2020. I'm excited about what is to come because we have the opportunity to give God glory and to tell other people about his life-changing love. It's the opportunity that we have. Today, As we think about what that may mean for us as individuals and as a community of believers, we're going to focus our attention on the Magi, those wise men from the East who were seeking the newborn king of the Jews. Now, I already know the pushback, right? Wait a minute. Christmas is over. New Year is here. The decorations are taken down, right? You've probably taken them down in your home. The tree is gone, all this stuff. It's gone. Why are we focused in on the Magi? Why would we be talking about the Christmas story? Well, the reason is because tomorrow, January 6th, marks the end of the 12 days of Christmas. Today is the 11 pipers piping. If you want to sing the song in your head, that'll be stuck there for the next three or four minutes, right? Um, but it, it's, uh, it marks the end of the 12 days of Christmas. Tomorrow marks the day of Epiphany. Uh, on the high church calendar, which you know we're not, but in the more liturgical high churches, uh, they celebrate Epiphany. 
Epiphany, and it's a time to celebrate the incarnation of Emmanuel, of, of God with us. And one specific focus is, is on how the visit of the Magi, the wise men, how that signifies that Jesus came to the Gentiles as well. And that's a very important and significant message that we need to, to be aware of and to focus on, uh, at least briefly. So I invite you to grab your Bible, if you will, and turn to Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 12. It's the passage that Dylan read for us uh, just a little bit ago. You can open your Bible app, the PCC app, and turn to Matthew uh, chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a blue Bible somewhere close to you, and that will be on or around page 681. I really do want to encourage you, as I do each week, to put the text in your hands so that you can refer to it, so you can become familiar with it, and uh, grab your sermon notes in case there's something that you decide to write down as well. You know, there have been uh, a lot of interesting and amazing quests in history. If we think about quests that people have gone on, there's Jason's quest for the Golden Fleece, uh, Diogenes' quest for one honest man, Ponce de Leon's quest for the Fountain of Youth, Indiana Jones and the quest for the Lost Ark, right? Monty Python's search for the Holy Grail. Okay, some of you got that one, right? Um, there, many, many video games are center, centered around this idea of a hero or a heroine going out and, and trying to find, uh, obtain something or someone and then return home. Uh, I mean, the whole point of Mario Brothers is this quest to save Princess Peach, right? That's what the whole game is about. There's also this quest that the Magi went on in order to find the Christ child, the one born king of the Jews, and it's interesting to me when you think about where the Magi really fit into our Christmas story, right? Uh, like many churches, uh, and maybe at your home or, or uh, other places, we had a manger scene here at the church. If you remember, it was right over there. It was on the table, and it had the manger, and it was all lit up and beautiful. Um, I, I took a picture of it uh, before we put it away this week, and Mike's going to put it there on the screen. And as you can see, there, I mean, that's the one that was right over there. If you didn't venture over, that's what you missed, right? Um, but in the center there of that picture is, of course, who? The correct answer is always Jesus, right? Jesus, right? So Jesus is in the middle, and, and Mary and Joseph are right there, you know, with him there. Uh, in our particular manger scene, we have an angel. Not sure where the angel fits, but the angel's back there in the corner. Uh, on the, the right-hand side, you see uh, a shepherd with some animals. And then on the left-hand side, you see these wise men. They are bringing gifts of what? Gold frankincense, and myrrh, right? You, you see this setting often, right? You see it in cards maybe that you received for Christmas, maybe even ones you sent. You see it in books. You see it in, in windows, on lawns, in churches, and homes, and nearly every Christmas play, there are wise men, right? I mean, if you were here for our children's program, you saw that the wise men came up over here and, and kind of came toward Jesus. The difference in this year's play, our wise men didn't give the gifts to Jesus. They took them with them because you know, they just decided to, right? They were the little ones. Um, but the idea is that they gave their gifts to Jesus. And yet, when we look objectively at the accounts of Scripture, specifically if you look at Matthew and Luke, which contain the, the birth narratives, I'm not sure that the scene ever looked like that. 
since Epiphany uh, happened on uh, January 6th is when the high church celebrates it, uh, many theologians and historians suggest that the Magi showed up not when Jesus was born, but after the birth of Jesus. Some even theorize up to two years after Jesus was born. And, and so uh, with that idea and things and with uh, the high church celebrating Epiphany on, on January 6th, my, my dad and I always thought it would be fun to start the, the wise men off like across the room right? And each week move them a little closer, right? And then on January 6th, they finally arrive. But they have nowhere to arrive most of the time, right? Because we put it away before January 6th gets here. Now, I don't really have anything wrong, right, with with them being there. Besides, if the wise men weren't there, it would kind of mess up our picture, right? It would mess up our, our vision of what that really looks like. But, but when, we, when we just put the, the wise men there in, uh, in the scene, we tend to, to minimize the importance of their visit. We, we tend to overlook the fact that their, their visit, their trip was long and it was hard and, and the things that brought them to Bethlehem were not easy for them. We overlook their quests. We really don't know exactly how their trip went, right? We don't have a lot of information on that. We have our ideas. We have uh, probably seen the movie version of what their trip was like. Uh, Even in the movies, they tell us the names of them. We we don't really know that either. Uh, We have poems like the one written by T.S. Eliot, who says, "A, a cold coming we had of it, just the worst time of year for a journey, and such a long journey, the way deep and the weather sharp, the very dead of winter, may not have been winter at that time, a different story, but uh, of the camels galled, sore-footed, refractory, lying down in the melting snow. There were times we regretted the summer palaces on slopes, the terraces, and the silken girls bringing sherbet. Then the camel men cursing and grumbling and running away and wanting their liquor and women, and the night fires going out and the lack of shelters, and the cities hostile and towns unfriendly, and the villages dirty and charging high prices, a hard time we had of it. We don't know exactly what their trip was like, right? But we can surmise from what we do know that that these wise men had a long, hard journey in their quest to find Jesus. It's not something we typically talk about, right? Uh, Instead, we talk about other things. We don't focus on how their journey was not an easy one. Sometimes we focus on their gifts, right? We, we always say that they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but, but we sometimes slow down and, and talk about the significance of the gifts, like the gold was a symbol of Jesus being the king, frankincense was a symbol of deity, and, and myrrh was a symbol of the predicted death. During this time of year, uh, we give gifts, right? During Christmas, we, we give gifts to each other in part as a response to God giving us Jesus, but, but also in, in following the example of the wise men since they brought gifts to Jesus as well. Even as a church, we gave gifts, right? Through our Honduras Bike Initiative, uh, not only did we give over $9,500, almost $10,000, to bike over or close to or over 100 bikes for the students in El Torunfo. But we also gave the two bikes that were uh, in the lobby to a family here locally so they could have those bikes to give to their children and celebrate Christmas. And when I think about the gifts that we give, right? When we give each other gifts, when we gave uh, to the bikes initiative, when, when we give gifts. And, and then I think about the gifts that the wise men gave, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, that, that, that they gave to Jesus, I'm reminded that most of the time, and probably for the Magi as well, these gifts, while they are significant, they're important, they're probably not the huge sacrifice we think they may have been. 
The wise men gave gifts out of tribute. We talked about a couple of weeks ago, they knew what was an appropriate response for a king. And so they brought that which was appropriate for a king. I would suggest that the real sacrifice of the Magi was the journey. The long and difficult journey from Persia to Judea to give their presence directly to Jesus. Uh, someone else shared some thoughts on this and they said uh, they didn't use two men and a camel, like two men in a truck, trying to make that funny. Okay, anyway, they didn't use Mediterranean Express or MedEx. They didn't use people from the Amazon to deliver their gifts. Okay, that's, the, that's why I'm not a stand-up comedian. Um, no, they, instead, what did they do? They sacrificed their time. They sacrificed their energy. They sacrificed their comfort. So they could, with their own eyes, with their own person, discover and experience Jesus for themselves. They wanted to go. They gave of themselves along with the treasures. As one author said, the most significant thing the Magi gave to Jesus was their attention. They gave their attention to the king. They gave their attention to the sign that God provided, the sign that we know as what we call the star, right? We see the star all over the place during Christmas. It's on cards, it's on church bulletins, it was on the top of our Christmas tree, right? There's something very interesting about the star. I read an article by Maxwell Grant, and he pointed out that when you stop and think about it, there's something even ominous about the Christmas star, we read about that account in Matthew chapter one. I want to read to you again uh, verse one and two. It says, in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child, the one born king of the Jews? For we observed his star in its rising and have come to pay him homage. Matthew continues when he says, when, Herod, when King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. Uh, when we do a, a, just a little bit of research and find out there, there are those that, that would say that the appearance of a star was generally not seen as a good thing. The ancient historian Josephus noted that a star stood over the city of Jerusalem just before its fall in 70 AD. There were many who thought that the eruption of, of Mount Vesuvius in 70 AD was caused by a falling star or a comet. Uh, likewise, there were reports of uh, the appearance of a star in the sky over England in 1066, just before the Battle of Hastings. It was seen as a dark omen of what was to come. And even some in 1836 say that a star is to blame for the fall of the Alamo, Right? And so when we hear that Herod was frightened and all Jerusalem with him, maybe that makes sense. And I can't help but wonder if King Herod, who of course gets so much wrong in this story, actually gets at least one part of this news strangely correct because at least he understood that the star in the sky was significant and he also recognized that the star in the sky combined with the Magi looking for a new king was not good news. At least it wasn't good news for him. In the song that we don't often sing anymore, We Three Kings, the words are focused on the star, right? Uh, Star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright. You guys are humming it in your head, right? Westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. What's interesting is that these wise men noticed the star at all. It points to the fact that they were probably looking for the star. 
They gave the, this, this idea of something happening their attention. And when they saw it, they trusted it enough to follow it. The text says, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Here's a question to, to maybe consider for just a moment. How is it that they saw the star and others didn't? Was it revealed to them by some special revelation? Probably not, right? The star was undoubtedly visible for all to see. It, it was there for everyone to see. These uh, particular people were simply paying attention to it. They were watching the stars and looking for the sign. That's what they did as their profession. And, and as such, they took notice of the star that God provided, and they acted on what they saw by following that star. And it makes me wonder, in my life and in your life and our, our life as, as a community, what are we looking for? Where is it that we are focusing our attention? What do we expect to happen? God desires for us, for you, for me, for all of us, to put our attention and our focus on him. If we look around, we, we see that all of life is directing us back to our creator because it begins with him. Psalm 96, 11, and 12. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Psalm 19, 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. The idea is that all of creation is revealing God to us. God has given us us, this world in which we live to reveal himself to us. He's also revealing himself to us in each other. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. Then he says what we're created to do, but, but we are his handiwork. He created us in his image. And as we talked about before, uh, not so much that we look like God, but our character, characteristics, who we are is like him. And when we show love and grace and mercy and offer forgiveness, we are most like him. We are all his handiwork. God reveals himself to us in the scriptures, showing us who he is. And most of all, God reveals himself to us through the person of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Colossians chapter one, verse 15 says, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. God is revealing himself to us. The Magi, they didn't have the, the luxury of the text like we do. They didn't have the luxury of, of the Old Testament text even to, to reveal God's plan to them. And what's interesting is Herod and his chief priests and scribes and, and his religious leaders, they did they were trained Jewish religious leaders. They, they knew that the scripture foretold of this Messiah. They knew that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, but apparently they were unaware that it had happened. Why? Because they weren't giving Jesus. They weren't giving God. They weren't giving what God was doing their focus or their attention. And I wonder in our lives, in our search for significance, in our search for happiness and for meaning, where is our focus? 
Where do we focus our attention? Is it on just our own pursuits? On Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram feeds and all those things? Is our focus on what other people have and what we don't have? Where is our focus? What we see is that the wise men, they were rewarded for paying attention. They found what they were seeking. They followed the star. But even in their quest to find Jesus, to find the king, the one born king, it was not without some peril, right? Things didn't go as smoothly as maybe they wanted it to. When they arrived in Jerusalem and they asked Herod, hey, hey, where's this new king? It makes sense that they would do that, right, if you stop and think about it, because Herod was the king, and so the Magi would not naturally conclude that this new king would replace the old king. And so uh, the, the new king was more than likely an heir to the old king, but that was not the case, right? Herod, he did not have an heir. He did not have a son. If you do a little research on Herod, he killed anybody that was ever a threat to his kingdom, right? And so he, he realized this is not great news for him. He didn't want a new king. He wanted to remain king, so he devised a plan. After learning from his chief priests and scribes and, and you know, religious leaders, they knew where the newborn king was to be born. He found out that it was Bethlehem, and he, he shared that with the Magi, and, and then he shared that information, and, and, they, and then he asked the Magi to come back and tell him where the child was so that he too could go and worship Jesus. But we know from the text, from verse 12, that the Magi did not return to Herod because they were warned in a dream not to, right? You see, Herod's focus was on what? Well, it was on his own kingdom. It was on his own power. It was on his own authority. It was on what he wanted to see happen. His focus was not on the star, and it was definitely not on worshiping Jesus, Meanwhile, Mary and Joseph and the wise men, they, they put their focus and their attention on what God was revealing to them, what God was doing for them, what God was doing in them and through them. And as such, they trusted God and they were looking for God. They were focusing their attention on what God was revealing to them. When Herod saw the star, there was fear. When the wise men saw the star, there was faith. When Herod saw the star, there was, he saw it as bad news, but when the Magi saw the star, they saw it as good news, the good news that a Savior is born, the good news that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, was available to them as well, to you and to me and to all of the world. The good news, as Jesus said, we can take heart and not be afraid because God is with us. And so, I ask you in this new year, not what resolutions have you made, not to make more resolutions, but a simple question of where is your focus? Where is your attention? The reality is that there is no shortage of things that are going to be vying for your attention and vying for your focus in this new year. But we have the opportunity each and every day to put our focus, to put our attention on the one who invites us into a relationship with him. God sent Jesus to us to reveal his great love for us so that we could walk in that relationship with him. As Acts chapter 17 verse 27 says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And that is the beautiful message of Christmas that we celebrate that God is with us, Emmanuel. And it's something that we should celebrate, not just during Christmas, but in the new year and all year long to celebrate the epiphany, the realization, the joy 
that Jesus came and he came for all of us so that we could walk in that relationship with him. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, I thank you that you gave of yourself. God, I thank you that in Jesus we see, we see you with us. We see Emmanuel. We see your love and we see your grace. We see your mercy. I thank you that you're inviting us to walk in relationship with you. I pray that we would receive you, that we would give you our attention, that we would give you our focus, that as we enter into the rest of this day and and enter into this new week and, and even into this new year, Father, that our focus would be on you and on you alone. That we would focus in on your life-changing love and the desire that you have to walk in relationship with us. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the opportunity to to see and and read and and even experience the stories that, that you gave us to impact our life, to change us, and to make us more like you. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God is inviting you to place your focus and your attention on Jesus and to surrender to him, to, to give your life to him, to receive Jesus not only as your savior, which, which we all desire to do, but, but also as our Lord. As we sing this song, uh, there's gonna be members of the prayer team and leadership team over by the cross to receive you. And if you desire to accept Jesus as your savior, if you desire to, to have someone pray with you, if you just want to talk to someone, if you want to, to recommit your life, if you want to join a, a church where our focus is on Jesus and on how we are to walk in relationship with him each and every day, I invite you to make your way over to the cross. We would love to receive you there. So as you're willing and able, I invite you to stand with me. Let's sing this song of response. And may it, may it be a song, not that we just sing because it's the next thing we do, but it's a response that we allow God to work in us and through us, changing us to be more and more like him as we focus on him. Let's respond together this morning.